Romans chapter 8, verse 18, Paul says this. He says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. The hope in Christ transcends anything that can happen to this body. Making sure that I don't take heart in too many of the things that don't matter while you know, while I'm not going through a trial, right? Because mm. whenever those trials come and those things that don't really matter get tested, is that going to test me? Or am I only going to take heart in who Christ is and what he cares about? And those things can never be tried. Are you really operating in faith if you're outside of a crisis? Beth and I walked through a season where our faith was tried. The devil came to our door and he came knocking. We never sent him an invitation. I never sent him my current location. Somehow he found me and he came knocking. It's in those moments that I had to remind myself, this isn't something that's trying my faith. My faith was actually given to me and built over time for this moment. Pain and suffering doesn't change your faith. It reveals your faith. In October of 2019, I, I took shrooms. And I don't know how close I was to death. I don't want to over-exaggerate it. But in that moment, I felt like I was going to die. So I, I kick it off with a story. I think today what I was wanting to talk about mostly was pain and suffering. I kind of want to honor a family member of mine, Aunt PJ, or Aunt Peggy Jo. She has been battling with breast cancer for the last two years. About two years, right? Um, and I saw her yesterday and we were talking. And we just had a good conversation and... She was talking about the chemo she had to go through right away. And then she had it open. She had like a surgery that opened her up. I almost said open heart surgery. It wasn't open heart surgery, but they had to open her up, take out the cancer. And then she's been doing radiation mm. since then to do the deal. And she told me yesterday that with her type of cancer, you don't really have a cure for it. It's more of just remission, which I guess remission is, you know, you know, people who ring their last bell, their last therapy. I don't think she does that. I don't, I don't know, okay. but she's not, there's no cure. She's just going to be doing treatments for the rest of her life, basically. And um, it just had me thinking, number one, when I think that like I've been through something hard, truly I haven't been when you compare it to people who are battling through cancer. She was telling me about sleepless nights that she was staying up just sick on the bathroom floor yeah. and being in those key, being in those, those machines, the, the MRI machines, the chemo machines, the radiation machines, and just being like, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus for this, for that, for family, for protection, for my body. And number one, I just wanted to honor her because I think she's the most, one of the most powerful women in our family for sure. And just, I think she's just inspires me every single day. But you said something to me the other day, Keenan, that I just wanted to highlight that pain and suffering doesn't change your faith. It reveals your faith. That is so True. And people oftentimes go through hard things, whatever it is. You can f- find an unlimited amount of scenarios. Right. Let's use cancer as one. People walk away from the faith right? because of hard things like this. Or you see the great giants, the, the monumental face that people display in spite of great adversity. Yeah. All that is is the, the trials that and the, and the pain and the stuff, it, it reveals, it exposes right. yeah. the faith that you already had in that moment. Mm-hmm. And for my Aunt PJ, it revealed and exposed and deepened her faith into Jesus. Without a doubt. And it's just inspiring to me. And I want to go back into her in a little bit, but what are your thoughts just as I present I, my that? Mind's, my mind, of course, every time we do this, my spirit just starts to yeah. ping, 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 ping. Yeah. One of the things that I've always had to remind myself of is that as Christians, we don't always get to pick our season but we do get to pick our spirit. 
Mm. We don't always get to pick the season that we walk through. Like we don't get a choice a lot of the time, but we can choose the spirit we walk through that season with, right? The attitude that we walk through it with, the faith that we are going to walk through it with. And, and yeah, the other day you and I were talking and I was just like, you know, a lot of people say, man, that crisis that I went through, that letdown that I had, the disappointment, the, the setback, whatever you want to call it, that killed my faith. And the truth be told, and if somebody were telling me that, I would, my pastoral heart would never, you know, just be like, here's the true slugger. I, I, yeah. I wouldn't, but the truth is this. I don't know why I love the word slugger. <laughs> I say it all the time now. It's hilarious. To it be is funny. But here's the truth is crisis never destroys our faith. It reveals our faith because what is, are you really operating in faith if you're outside of a crisis? You know what I mean? And I do think there is that place where we ought to still walk in faith when all is well, right? That when yeah. the when the sea is glassy and the sun is bright and it's the perfect, ideal, picturesque day, we still ought to be walking in faith. But your faith, quite literally, was built for hard times. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to go into detail because I think at some point Beth and I will get into it, but Beth and I walked through a season and in all honesty are still to a degree from the ramifications of what we walked through, walking through a season where our faith was tried, our faith was poked, our faith was picked on, our faith was messed with, right? The devil came to our door and he came knocking. We never sent him an invitation. I never sent him my current location. Somehow he found me and he came knocking. And it's in those moments that I had to remind myself, you know, it's real easy for me to be Pastor Keenan and I can get in a moment with you and I can be like, oh brother, I've got a scripture for everything that you're thinking. <laughs> but when you're having to be Pastor Keenan to yourself, I mean, David says, he said this of himself, I encourage myself in the Lord. That when no one else is there, I know how to encourage myself. And I had to, in this, that season, find a way to encourage myself. And some of that was through, obviously, the scripture. Primary was through the scripture. But some of it was through worship music. And uh, there's a song uh, by Vu, Vu Worship, a church led by Rich Wilkerson Jr. and his wife, Don Cherie. Um, But they released this song. And in it, it talks about, my faith was built for this. That's the line. My yeah. faith was built for this. Like, so gangster. But it was really what I needed to hear, that like, this isn't something that's trying my faith. My faith was actually given to me and built over time for this moment to carry me through this moment. Hell, <laughs> faux pas on the podcast. This is the first first time you bring a coffee on the pod, and, and I already spill it. But I think I think that's the important thing is understanding your faith was built for this, dude. You can weather this storm. I've said it before, but I think it bears repeating. You know, in the book of Ecclesiastes, there's you know, Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, he's writing, you know, in every season, there's a, there's a time and season for everything. And he goes through, there's a time for gathering stones, a time for casting stones, yeah. a time to live, a time to die, a time to rejoice, a time to mourn. But the one thing he never says there's a time for is that there's a time to quit. There's never a time to quit. Come on, it David Goggins. Always, <laughs> it's always time to press into the Lord like never before. And if you're walking through a season, I specifically real quick want to talk about cancer. If you are dealing or you personally are dealing with, or you have a loved one who is battling cancer, I want you to hear me right now. The sea in Christ is so much bigger than the sea in cancer. 
The sea in Christ is so much bigger than the sea in cancer. Isaiah 6 says this, that in the year King Uzziah died, Isaiah saw the Lord in his glory and the train of his robe filled the temple. Now you and I, we just think dude's got a long train to his robe, right? The Lord does. But what that really means is when a king would conquer another king, he would take the train of that king's robe and sew it to the end of his as a sign that I conquered that king. And the, the train of our Lord's robe fills the temple because he has conquered everything he can conquer. And listen to me, that includes cancer, that includes dementia, that includes mental illness. I don't care what it is you are battling. It has already been sewn to the end of the train of the Lord's robe, and it has filled the temple. And we can have confidence in knowing he has already defeated uh, what we think is threatening us. Amen. I, and one of the things I really like to think about is just that the fact that I know in my life that Jesus is everything to me. And even through good times, keeping that understanding that Jesus is, Jesus is everything to me. And really, I want to know that if I ever am coming to whatever person, a homeless person, someone in Africa with no clean water, with no good food, that Jesus is enough for them too, Amen. right? So if I don't believe that Jesus is enough for me for whatever you know issues I'm going through, then why would I? Why would I preach to people? Why would I preach How to people can that you preach to it? Exactly. Like even like, if you are preaching, there's probably gonna be doubts in what you're saying. Exactly, and the hope in Christ transcends anything that can happen to this body, right? Like. Anything that can happen to you here, this belief in Jesus, it transcends it, right? Because Jesus is plenty. And Amen. I think uh, you have to know that personally. And, um, you know, I think a big, the biggest step into being able to go through uh, trials to me is taking heart in, which I, I can't say that I've been through. There's so many hard things that I've never been through. But I think of making sure that I don't take heart in too many of the things that don't matter while, you know, while I'm not going through a trial, right? Because Mm. whenever those trials come and those things that don't really matter get tested, is that going to test me? Or am I only going to take heart in who Christ is and what he cares about? And those things can never be tried, right? right? Those things can, you know, the, you know, like, like what Jesus did for me, that's never going to, there's no, there's there's no trying on that. Nope. That is what that happened. And that is how it is. And that's always how it's going to be. Right. But you're, you know, other things can happen. You know, you can, whatever, you know, think of it, it can happen to you here, but you can never be taken away from Jesus. And a lot of people, I think we just don't like pain very much. Like we're just living a culture is very, just a comfortable culture. And uh, I've been trying to myself put myself in situations where I'm fighting pain more often because, I mean, I got the stomach bug a while back and I was throwing up. And the reason I'm thinking about this is because part of doing chemo is you get sick and you throw up a lot. Oh, yeah. And I remember I was like, I had a stomach bug. I was like, God, bring down fire right now. I need to be healed right now. I was like crying, like praying like severely. And that's not a wrong prayer, right? No, nothing but matter. it made me realize when I was talking to PJ, it's like that little bit of sickness. And I probably threw up once or twice and she spends nights and nights and nights being sick. And to just think that, I, like just because we're going through pain doesn't mean that God's not with us or yes. God's God's somehow mad at us or something like pain is a necessity of life. And you think to the point where one day we're going to die, like yeah. 
there will be a time when we leave this earth and the details of that, I don't want to go into too much details, but that will probably be an experience. Like people just think, Oh, I'm going to die one day, but whether it's cancer, whether it's old age, whether it's any illness, like there's going to be probably pain or things involved with that, that we don't even realize. And, and, and that doesn't have to be, we don't have to be afraid of that. No. And I kind of wanted to share a story real quick. That was a, a small point, but I share this with with PJ, and that's the only reason I'm sharing it because when you have an, I don't want to sit here and preach about suffering when I haven't suffered because there's there's limitations to that like people who are really suffering, and I've been up here and I'm and yeah. I'm sitting on my high horse and I've never really done anything. My parents right. have blessed me financially. I've never really had to work for that much and whatever. But I share this, this. You work hard. I w- don't don't sell yourself short. For like, sure, you're you're not a silver spoon kid. Like you, you have a strong work ethic. Yeah, we. Um, I shared the story with with my aunt, so I'm gonna share it with everybody else. Sure. But when I was first got saved, I was like I said, I used to party a lot, and part of me partying a lot, I started smoking a lot of weed, as we mentioned before. We talked to the pod before, but. In October of 2019, I, I went to a part when um, I took shrooms. I took wow. magic mushrooms or magic mushrooms. I took shrooms with psychedelic, right? And I had a very bad experience on it. And I and I tripped and I it, it was I thought I was going to die, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how close I was to death. I don't want to over-exaggerate it. But in that moment, I felt like I was going to die. And the only reason I share that is because that's really the only – you have to come to a point – where death is a realization, like death is real. Mm-hmm. I know my time, I'm not invincible. Yeah. I know my time on this earth is numbered. For you to come to a realization like, hey, I need to worry about what's in the afterlife. Mm-hmm. I need to worry about my eternity. Yeah. And in that moment, that was the only thing I had to offer my aunt and to try to like relate to what she's going through because right. we have both experienced it. I'm not going to compare my one day or two days of trial there to her months and years of going through chemo. But at the end of the day, when I was sitting there doing like feeling like I was going to die, I realized that nothing else really mattered other than eternity. Yeah. And that is truly what propelled me forward into understanding what I need to understand. I need to understand who Jesus is. I need to read the Bible. I need to understand what sin is. I need to understand what, what this is all about. Because if I die tomorrow, cause I could, I felt like I was going to die that day. And if I die tomorrow, I don't know if I'm going to heaven. Yeah. Prior to that, I felt invincible. I'm doing all this stuff. Um, I've never really had any struggle prior to that. Right. I've never had anything hard, anything bad go my way. Um, and after that, you know, I go and, and then, I was chasing after these answers with like like a chicken with his head cut off, yeah. just pursuing, pursuing, and finding mm-hmm. these answers. And I don't know. I just I just wanted to share that because I don't I don't I don't want to be somebody who's preaching to somebody no. about suffering. And you, I don't want and not. I think have that. I think you're hitting it right on the head. I think it, when we don't have a good understanding of eternity, when we don't have a good grasp on that, when we when we lose sight of that. It gets so easy to trade what we want most for what we want right now. I mean, that's the literal story of Esau, right? He traded what he wanted most, his birthright, his blessing, for what he wanted right now, a bowl Mm -hmm. of bean soup, right? And I always try to tell people, if you're going to trade your birthright for a bowl, 
lick the bowl. <laughs> lick that bowl clean because that's all you're going to get, okay? You better enjoy that bowl. Mm. But I think it's so easy to to get caught up in the here and now when we forget the here after. And yeah. Paul says this. I opened my Bible because I wanted to read it verbatim. On. Romans chapter 8, verse 18. One of, Romans 8 is probably my favorite chapter in the whole Bible, um, right next to Luke 15. But Romans chapter 8, verse 18, Paul says this. He says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. That's what Paul says. I don't consider that the suffering of this moment is even worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. If you want to talk about somebody who suffered, the apostle Paul suffered over and over. I mean, the dude was literally stoned and not the way you were stoned that night. I mean, they threw rocks at him. Come on, I had to make the joke. I had to make the joke. (laughs) That was good. (laughs) Thank you. But the dude got, they threw rocks at him until the point he was almost dead. And, And he did die to a certain extent. Many people think he did, but he was resurrected. And not, not, so many people don't even know that about the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul has been quite literally to the edge of the abyss and back. And I think somebody who's been to the edge of the abyss and back, who stared the abyss in the face and had the abyss stare into them, I think we ought to take their word seriously. And notice this. I've always heard these two verses quoted, but never together. That was verse 18. This is the verse that follows, verse 19. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. I've always heard, for the earth groans in waiting for the manifestations of the sons of God. And, you know, especially Pentecostal circles like I've, yeah. I've ran in and like charismatic circles like I've ran oh, in my yeah. whole life. They're all talking about us, you know, running up and down the streets, yabba dabba doing in the spirit, which I'm all about. I can yabba dabba do with the best of them. Okay. Mm. Like I've been praying in tongues since I was eight years old. Um, but I don't think that's what it's about. I don't think the earth is going to see the manifestations of the sons of God because we spoke in tongues a little louder and we got a little bolder and we kicked the door down on a psychic and we you know won him over to the Lord. I think it's this. We no longer consider the present sufferings worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed because that to the world is sexy. When the world sees that you are going through hell and all you can think about is heaven, what what's more attractive than that? Not somebody who's like, wow, that guy really believes what he's talking about. He got up in, in the middle of the airplane and started preaching to us. Most people find that annoying. But when they watch you suffer, they watch you walk through hell and all you can talk about is heaven. That's like, okay, you got something I don't, bro. What is yeah. going on in your life? And that is what Paul is saying. He says, I don't even consider it worth comparing to the glory that's going to be revealed. There's mm-hmm. always glory to be revealed, which the irony of the glory to be revealed means it's not yet been revealed, right? And that's where we've got to keep our eyes set on in the middle of suffering is that there will be glory that is brought out of this. That's good. And and you look at throughout all of Paul's time, like anytime he was going through a tough deal, he didn't even like, he didn't even take a moment to be like, man, why, why is this happening to me? Never. There was never a woe is me as like, he was too selfless to ever realize even if Satan was attacking him, which Ooh. is crazy. He didn't even care. Of course he is. What, yeah. what's it, okay, what's it to me? Yeah. Right? I'm just going to, oh, I'm I'm shipwrecked. I'm on an island. Well, I'm going to save these people. Yep. Bump it. I don't care. You know what <laughs> I mean? Bump it. 
And so, but that also, I want to ask the question. It's kind of, it's probably the, a tough one to answer, but I want to ask you, it was, you know, like what PJ is going through and all these people that believe in Jesus. And let's be honest, like there's people that believe Jesus can heal them mm-hmm. and they haven't been healed. Yep. What do you say? Because Jesus can heal you. Yeah, he can. I think this, first and foremost, and listen to me, this is not a cop-out. What I'm about to say is not a cop-out. It's straight-up scripture. Go to John 21. Read the very last portion of it. People love John 21, but they love the first part about John 21. And that's when Peter gets redeemed, right? Mm -hmm. Peter has the you know beachside breakfast with Jesus and all of that. And everyone stops reading, and they stop talking about John 21. They stop preaching John 21. At when Jesus, you know, asks Peter three times, Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. The story doesn't end there. All of a sudden, they get up from that moment. Peter has just been forgiven of the worst thing he ever did. He denied Jesus three times, which notice how many times Jesus asked him if he loved him. And notice where he did it. At a campfire. Where did Peter deny Jesus? At a campfire. He recreated the scenario. Because, you know, there are smells that can trigger memories in your mind. You know, oh, you smell 100%. something, and, and the Lord knew that. Yeah. He's like, I don't want the smell of a campfire to bring up condemnation. I'm about to redeem even the scent of a campfire. Anyway, Come moving on, right Savior. along. R- moving right along. Just dropping bars in the middle of a bar. Because <laughs> <laughs> you're about to make a point about, about John 21. You just dropped yeah, that nugget. Sorry, I just had to point that out. But the story continues And then all of a sudden they're walking and Jesus starts releasing this prophetic word over Peter. And I have to tell you, it is not a good prophetic word. He literally starts to describe the manner in which Peter will die for the, for the name of Jesus. And he he tells Peter this really what he's doing is trying to encourage Peter because Peter just a moment ago gave way to a junior high girl. Like he, he denied Jesus to a junior high girl. Go read the story. And so Peter's like, I can't even stand up for Jesus to a junior high girl. I think the reason Jesus prophesied Peter's death is to let Peter know you don't die in shame. You don't die afraid of me or afraid of standing up for me. You yeah. die boldly. Um, you are the man that you wish you were is what P- Jesus is trying to say. Yeah. But Peter in that moment starts getting freaked out. He's like, wait, what? Like, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to what? And all of a sudden he goes this, he does this. What about him? And he points to John. He says, what about John? How's he going to die? What's going to happen to him? And Jesus has to look at Peter and he says, what is it to you? That's literally what Jesus says to Peter. What is it to you? What is it to you if I allow him to never die? He stays until I come again. What is it to you, Peter? You follow me. And honestly, for anyone who is dealing with the, well, what about them, God? Well, you touched them and not me. Well, you did it for them and not me. I I have to use the words of Jesus on you. What is it to you? What is it to you if Jesus does it for them and not for you? You signed up to follow him for him, not for what he can do, not for what he can, he can snap his fingers and make, you you know, things just right. You followed him because he is right. You followed him because he is righteous. You followed him because he is enough, not because he can make you feel like you've got enough. And that's the place we've got to come back to is anytime I begin to question, God, why would you do it for them and not for me? Jesus always brings me back to John 21. Keenan, what is it to you? 
Mm-hmm. You follow me. And we can go deeper into that wormhole, which I have some good stuff to say on this, the deeper into the wormhole of why does God allow good things to happen or bad things to happen to good people? We could go deeper well, in that. But. What I've started to pray is, because I've struggled a lot with this very topic of, God, is it your will to heal me? Or is it not your will to heal me? So like I pray like, God, heal me, but then I'll maybe have doubts or then maybe I'll be like, God, you can't heal me. Just this, just this back and forth, this, this seesaw effect of is it your will or is it not your will? So to counteract that, what I've started praying is, God, I trust you. That's so much better. God, whether you heal me or not, I trust you. And it basically for me, that's a prayer for both. Yeah. Like I'm praying for healing. And if you don't heal me, it's okay. Yeah. But I just start saying, God, I trust you. Either way, the outcome plays out. Yeah. Honoring God with where you're at. Yep. What not let's not talk about healing. It's just honor God. You have cancer or you don't have cancer. You're having this struggle, this struggle. There's two pains that you can experience. And this is kind of a non biblical idea that I'm gonna put the biblical spin on, but there's the pain of discipline or the pain of regret. Yep. There's the pain of Working out, you're either going to go work out and experience the pain of actually showing up and the physical pain that it causes you, yep. or you're going to phys- experience the pain of regret and I didn't get to go, now I'm guilty. It's right. the same idea with God that you're going to experience the pain of being faithful, and that's going to cause, it's not going to be painful in terms of, because God's going to support you, God's going to just going to, it's going to be a, wor- a worshiping of Him and, and a compelling just from grace to, to, to fight through hard things. Yeah. But there's a real possibility that you don't honor God with the situation you're in. And that's going to be a pain as well. Yep. And so there's only two possibilities of dealing with struggle in your life. And which one are you going to choose? Right. You pain know? is inevitable is what yeah, you're saying. Like exactly. It's unavoidable. So choose your pain. Yeah. Like you can have the pain of discipline, the pain of discipleship, yeah. Or you can have the pain that comes with being undisciplined and a person who just lives by their feelings and is waiting for the next and I, endorphin and I, release. And I think that's why it works so so beautifully with suffering, this topic mm-hmm. of suffering, because discipleship, evangelism, reading your word, like we talk about the pain of doing these things, like those really aren't painful at the end of the day. Sometimes right. it requires discipline, like we've talked before, like Braden's mentioned. But like in terms of suffering... Like, that's a real pain. Yes. Like, are you going to... It's such an easy thought to be like, I'll do anything to get out of this pain. I remember vividly when I was walking through... This was before I was saved, talking about the shrooms idea. Mm-hmm. God, I'll do our, I would, I'll do anything to get rid of this pain. Right. I'll, not, I'll walk away from the faith to get rid of this pain. Wow. And... Um, there was nothing off... There was like nothing off the table. You're nothing's like, off the anything table. Anything in my life, I'll give it up. You talk about what you mentioned before, talking about what is your level when you will compromise. Where will, and that was in terms of success. How successful will you get to where it's that like... That was off-pod, by the way, we were talking about. Oh, that, that. was off-pod. That was off-pod. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, it was good. It was great what you were saying, but the same thing with pain. Like how, how much crap do you got to go through or how much pain does that needs to be inflicted on you for you then to compromise yep. even the core of who you are, which is your salvation in Jesus. Yeah. I don't What's know. your price tag? What's that's, your price tag? That's the thing is like, is there's a monetary literal price tag of like, what's the price tag? Like how much fame would cause you to compromise? How much money would cause you to compromise? How much attention from the opposite sex would cause you to compromise? But then there's on the other hand, that's, those are like what we would esteem as good things. How much pain will cause you to compromise? How yeah. much hardship will cause you to compromise? How many setbacks will cause you to compromise? How many unanswered prayers will cause you to compromise? 
we all have, in a sense, the, ultimately the place we should get is that there's no price tag because at the end of the day, the price has been paid. Jesus paid it in full. There's no price that needs to be paid, but many of us do on one end of the spectrum or sometimes both have a price tag and the place we'd, will, we'd be willing to compromise. On a baseline level, Jesus... Whatever pain you're experiencing, Jesus experienced more on your, for you on, on, on your behalf. Yep. When he died on the cross for you, if we were to just talk about comparing pain, because that a lot of times that's what motivates people. You see your dad or your mom that went through this hard struggle to give you a better future, a better life. Yeah. You're like, I'm going to go hard. Yeah. Like, that'll fire you up. Do the same thing with Jesus. He was flogged to the point where yesterday you're talking about, well, they didn't even recognize whether it was a man or an animal. You yep. said that yesterday in your yep. sermon. Compare your pain. Jesus went through more so you can go harder. Yeah. There is nothing. That, that's the cool thing. I get in trouble for this when I say it sometimes, but I'm still going to say it. Jesus is not, and the Lord is not your overweight PE coach who is asking you to do things you know darn well he is incapable of doing. You know what I mean? Like we all had those coaches who were like, hey, I need you to go run five miles. You take one look at their anatomy and you go, I know you can't run five miles. <laughs> Anytime God asks us to do something, it's always because he can do it and has already done it. Everything that we will ever walk through, Jesus walked through. Betrayal, he walked through betrayal. Judas betrayed him, you know, completely turned his back on him. Um, Ultimately, all the disciples walked away at the end of the day whenever it came, Jesus needed him the most. Um, Pain, you know, um, confusion. You know, everything that we would ever walk through, Jesus has already walked through and he did it perfectly. That's why Hebrews calls him our high priest who is able to sympathize with our weaknesses because he has been tempted in every way that we are yet without sin. And that's something I really want to hit on real quick. Being tempted is not a sin. So many of us think that we're in sin if we're tempted. Like I was tempted with that. Well, did you do it? Well, no. Then you didn't sin. (laughs) Temptation is not a sin. Temptation is an invitation to sin. You shot the invitation down, bro. Good for you. Sorry if I hit you too hard. No, you're a cowboy. You can take it. (laughs) But that's what it is. And so many of us think that when 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 we're tempted, we're sinning and we beat ourselves up. And that's just like the enemy, too. If he can't get you with the fact that you went through with it, he'll get you with the fact that you, you, you entertained the idea for half a second, but then you said no. The enemy will always use anything he can to heap condemnation on you. And I just wanted to set somebody free with that. If you're dealing with temptation and you're not giving in to the temptation, you are not in sin. Um, yeah, that's yeah. that. Yeah, I wanted to... A little bit of a tangent, sorry. No, all good. Beautiful. I wanted to touch on, and this is a little bit off topic, but this idea, like, and it's something I've thought about a lot was... Why would we think at this point in time that we wouldn't be going through suffering when all of everything in the Bible is suffering for God's for God for 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 Jesus? All the disciples were killed except for John. Yep. And John uh according to It wasn't for lack of trying. Yeah, exactly. You know, according to I'm not. It's not in the Bible where it says that he was. That's church history. That's church history. Church where history says he was boiled in oil. Said he was boiled in oil. You know what they called it? They mockingly called it his anointing because they knew really? that oil. Like Christians, the early church would anoint people with oil. They said, "Hey, John, we're leading you to your anointing. 
We're going to boil you in oil. Wow. And it was <laughs> not wrong. Then no, he were. goes on the island. And yep. anyway, so I just think that seeing that is, is so important. And then, and then the next thing that I've been thinking about is, is heaven God's will? I would say, yeah. I would definitely say yes. What is heaven like? Jesus. Per- perfection. Yeah. Right? So if you want to know God's design, look to heaven. Mm. There's no there's no sickness. There's no pain. True. And how that fits here, and, and I never want someone to get into, well, you know, I think I think a thing I, I see a lot is people think, well, well, that person must be in sin or they have a lack of faith because they're right. going with sickness. And Jesus so already true. Jesus addressed this with the disciples. They they yeah. Jesus healed someone and and the disciples were like, Man, what did they what did that dude do to to uh be in this sickness all these years? And he's like, well, You think that has anything to do with it? No. No. You know, some some uh basically it was he was saying that some of these things happen for God's glory to be shown more. Right. And it it's like so hard to fit in your you know, there's so much and I think you have to have multiplicity um in what in all that and I don't know if y'all wanna either of y'all wanna address think, anything on that. Really good, when you look at talking about heaven, there's no sickness and a lot of people floating on the clouds with Jesus, like, oh, it's just this vague heaven type deal. But when you look at what heaven is, like I mean, right now there's people in heaven, but there's still death. There's still um, the devil, there's still the enemy roaming around, right? There's, but there's two different realms, right? Heaven right. and then earth right now. But one day, Revelation, it says that Jesus will make, bring, you know, make a new heavens and a right. new earth, right? But in a baseline level, of what heaven is, no sickness, no disease. You're spending time with Jesus. You're in the presence of God. God is light. God is the source of like the sun. You think of like the, he's dwelling amongst his people. He is the source of light. Um, and I think, correct me if I'm wrong in this, in heaven we'll work jobs. Like mm-hmm. yeah. in, in Genesis 1, Adam worked. Worked. And that was before the fall to when it waged war against him back. But like, There just won't be toil. Just won't be toil. Toil. Toil work. is what we hate. Work is fueling. I mean, that's why you get in that flow state, you're working. Exactly. But that's, it's, it's fueling you, right? It's toil. That yeah. is a product of sin. And the people are like, oh, I don't really want to go to heaven because if we're just hanging out with Jesus, maybe that'd be boring. And people are naive who would say that, right? But some yeah. people would think that like, oh, I just want to, I'd rather be drinking beer in, in hell with my buddies. You know, like people have actually said word I've for word verbatim yeah. that before. Oh, I know. But they're so wrong because number one, it's the fullness of what in Genesis, what God intend, initially create, intent, or initially created for life to be working mm-hmm. dwelling amongst the people yeah it's going to be a fulfillment of that one day yeah you know the cool thing is this is when jesus is hanging on the cross with the the thief right and he's having that conversation and the thief says remember me when you come into your kingdom right that's what the thief says jesus doesn't say today you will be with me in heaven he doesn't say that he says today you will be with me in paradise. If you look at a study, yeah. that word paradise means garden. Today, yeah. you and I will be in the garden. God is bringing it all back to where he had it in the first place. That's called redeeming, right? Redemption, bringing it all back and setting things to right. Ultimately, I mean, and, and I'm not limiting it to just like your idea of a garden, but it, it, it's it's utopic in nature, right? It is yeah. this idea of, I mean, for me, I'm going to let my inner nerd side out for half a second. I think Narnia 
You know what I mean? When I was a kid, like yeah. that's kind of, that was my idea of heaven was, was Narnia, like these, these mountains and these waterfalls. I mean, I guess like New Zealand, cause that's where they shot the, uh, the Chronicles of <laughs> Narnia. But I mean, it's just this incredible landscape. I, here's the thing I think we are going to get to heaven and we're going to go, how in the world did our old life in our bodies feel real? It's almost like when you wake up from a dream and you go, how in the world did I really think I was about to die in that nightmare? You, you see all these discrepancies. You ever notice that when you wake up from the dream, you realize how many things like you should have noticed were weird. <laughs> You're like, I didn't notice that this scene changed. And all of a sudden I was talking to this person and they became this other person. We're going to realize that when we get to heaven, we're like, why did we ever think yeah. that was more real than this? It's true. Heaven is infinitely more real than this world that we can hear, see, taste, touch, and smell. Mm-hmm. It's, 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 it's real life. It's not just floating on a cloud and wearing a diaper and playing a harp like a chubby little baby. That's not what heaven is. Heaven is 100% presence of God. And here's what makes me laugh. I talk to people all the time, and I think most Christians, at least, you would ask them, how excited are you about heaven? They'd be like, oh my God, I can't wait for heaven. So many Christians, I, can't, I just can't wait to be in heaven. But yet they don't want to spend 30 minutes with God right now. Yeah, I can't wait to spend forever with God, but they don't want to spend 30 minutes with him right now. And so I think we're talking out of both sides of our mouth when we say that, but heaven is something we ought to long for. He has placed eternity in our hearts is what the scripture says. And yeah, we ought to long for heaven, but ultimately our mission is to bring heaven to earth. Absolutely. And one of the things that I always say a lot is that the best part of earth is worse than the worst part of heaven. And the best part of heaven is worse than the worst part of Jesus. Wow. You know, and we get to have Jesus here. So, yeah. You know. That's a version of in the Corinthians when he says the full, the fullness, foolishness of God is wiser than the wisdom of man. Yep. But that's, it's a hypothetical. There is no foolishness. I know, it's a hypothetical. No, it's, it's, like, it's to give you perspective. There, there is no bad side, right? Exactly. The point it's a is, thought experiment. Jesus is, he's, he is the focus of heaven, and we're excited about heaven. Revelation right? says the lamb is its light. Here's the really cool thing. Go and fact check me for those of you who don't want to tell me this is true. Last two chapters of the book of Revelation, it says this. When it describes John the Revelator, who gets caught up in the third heaven on the island of Patmos, he is writing his description of heaven. And he's describing the things that he is seeing. And he says there's a gate made of pearl, but... It's as clear as crystal. That's what he says. Clear as crystal. Then he keeps walking and he sees the, um, you know, the streets of gold. He says, but the gold is clear as crystal. He sees a sea of glass, but it itself is also clear as crystal. Go and check, fact check me on this. Everything he describes shortly thereafter, he calls it clear as crystal. And it's as if all of heaven knows not even to get in the way of you seeing what heaven is actually all about because heaven is all about Jesus. That's why Revelation also says the lamb is its light, right? Jesus is the light of heaven. Jesus is what makes heaven heaven. And even the gold, the things that we tell people when we tell them about heaven, you ought to go to heaven, brother. There's streets of gold. There's a gate of pearl. Even the gate of pearl in the streets of gold go, hey, yo, here, it ain't about me. I'm keeping it clear. And ultimately, if we want heaven to come to earth, that's what it should be about is the things that the world says ought to be valuable. We're like, no, I'm going to keep this clear. I may have this, it may be here, but I'm going to allow it to be translucent and transparent so that it never gets in the way of you seeing Jesus. 
there, I think there are certain facets of heaven that appeal to each person. If you are somebody who's dealing with sickness, right? There's no pain. No there's pain, no suffering. No suffering. Well, if you're someone who's naturally predisposed to depression, there's no. There, he will wipe, wipe every, every tear. tear from your right. If you're somebody who, in, in Psalms, it says at his right hand there are pleasures forevermore. If you're somebody who is a a party guy, was was drug, was into drugs, was into you know that scene. There are pleasures forevermore. There are aspects of heaven that appeal to every person, but at the end of the day, Jesus is what makes heaven. Well, I mean, think and about this. You just said it. At his right hand are pleasures forevermore. Who is at the right hand of God? Exactly. Jesus. <laughs> exactly. Jesus we, is our pleasure forevermore. So many people, I think you, we, we can't get it twisted because so many people look at, a fa- there are facts of the matter of what heaven is like because Jesus is there. Right. Because Jesus is there, because it's it's the perfect, it's the it's the the way we were designed to be. We were designed to be in His presence. We right. have been redeemed. We went to the judgment seat of God. He said, "You you have the blood of the Lamb on you. You welcome in yeah. to the house." You know what yep. I'm saying? And then now we're in the we're in the presence of Jesus, like we've always were intended to be. Now there's a fact of the matter. There's Pleasures forevermore. There's no right. healing. I mean, there's no sickness. There's no depression. Every tear is wiped. Mm-hmm. But when we when we get it twisted and think that that's the prize, then we're, we're we have it all wrong. And that's why what you said is so powerful about we don't want to get in our Bible for thirty minutes. Because what are we doing when we get our Bible for thirty minutes? We're spending time with Jesus. Right. What are we going to be doing with heaven? We're going to be spending time with Jesus nonstop. That's why heaven can invade Earth. That's why heaven can be experienced today mm-hmm. in terms of the presence yeah which gerardo talked about so much on his podcast talking about understanding the presence that jesus is here in this room right now with us right now without a doubt there's no it's no different in heaven except there will be fact of the matter differences that yes. as a result of our environment right but that's how that's the premise of the understanding of how a heaven can invade the earth well and that is why i'll get into this for half a second there was a story in the gospels that always puzzled me right? It's actually a moment, not even a story. It's when Jesus curses the fig tree. I always was puzzled by that. Like there's there, the moment is Jesus walks up, he wants a fig, right? He's hungry. So he goes up to a fig tree, rustles in, in the leaves and there's no figs. And the Bible says this, it was not the season for figs. I would get it if Jesus cursed the fig tree because it wasn't producing and when it should have been producing, right? right? But it wasn't even the season for figs. Like, give the fig tree a break. Like, it's got the day off. Like, what what are you asking for? You're asking for something that shouldn't even be there right now. But Jesus looks at the fig tree, and he cursed the fig tree. And then later on, we see that when they passed that same fig tree later, they saw that it had shriveled up and died. And they were like, whoa, the fig tree heard you, Jesus. <laughs> like, it literally, it, 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 it shriveled underneath the weight of your authority. And I was always puzzled by that. It just seemed so heartless. It seemed like, Jesus, you were asking something of the fig tree that it wasn't even supposed to give you in that season, right? Until the Lord showed me this. The reason Jesus cursed the fig tree, even though he was asking for a fig in the wrong season, was because the fig tree chose to stay subject to its season in the presence of eternity. In the presence of eternity, it chose to say, stay subject to its season. And how many of us does that happen? Ultimately, when we wither up and die is when we choose to stay subject to our season, our situation, our circumstances, rather than eternity. And I really think that's a clear picture of regardless of the season. It may not even be the season. It may be a season of depression. On the outside, people would be like, of course, you're allowed to be depressed, brother. 
but it's our choice. It's that we, we tap into that spirit man, not our flesh man, not our carnal man, but we tap into that spirit man where we say, no, I, I may be walking through this, but I, I am affected by eternity. I'm affected by eternity's economy and eternity's climate. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Absolutely. Well, I mean, what's Jesus' prayer? Heaven would invade earth. Yep. I mean, and all that heaven is is a expression of God, right? It's just right. an expression of Jesus. That's why right. it's so cool. You know, that's why anything's so cool. Even even all the cool things on earth, um, you know, we have trees and waterfalls and rivers and all this. It's all an expression of God, and there's there's little bits of His beauty in all of it. Yeah, right. But the fullness is him, right? And I've been uh, listening over and over to uh, this song, and like I've even been saying today is, uh, show me your face. Uh, I think Upper Room is the one that sings it. It's just just saying, Lord, show me your face, because even whenever the there was the Ark of the Covenant and the presence of the Lord would show up, it was all just a expression of the Christ that was to come, right? And it all is, you know, the the realness of of who he is, whenever that is shown on you, there's no higher heaven. Right. And you can have that on earth. I I experience heaven every day. Amen. Every time I every time I open the Bible, I experience heaven. Every time I put my eyes on Jesus, I experience heaven. When I, you look at Romans 1, it says that creation cries out God's God's name, right? I don't know. That's, glory, a, that's yeah. a paraphrase, but you can see God's glory in creation, right? Creation is going to worship God. Creation is a byproduct of God. So it's going to—you you can see—so are you going to let—there's a song called—I um, uh, don't know who—it's by— Let the Rocks Cry Out. Yeah. Are you going to let the rocks cry out in your place? That's yeah. what he says. I'm not going to let the rocks cry out of my pla- in my place. Yeah. The earth— is crying out in worship. You see the cheetahs, you see the lions, you see the elephants, you see the rhinos, you see the intricacies of God's creation all throughout the world. Yep. And it's a reflection of him. Now are you going to be, because you're, they're not created in his image, but you are. They're reflecting God's glory. Are you going to let creation reflect his glory and not you? Mm-hmm. You got to cry out. And, and that's what the beauty of the song is, is I'm not going right. to let the rocks cry out in my place. Mm. I don't know. It's just Come thought. On. And I think the thing that keeps us from that is our own selfishness because of you, course. you are always worshiping something. You have no choice. I mean, look at every society on the face of the planet. You go from the, the most astute and um, academically brilliant communities in the world down to these remote villages who have never even touched modern civilization. They're, you go to those remote villages, they are worshiping something, a rock, a skull, or a stone, you know, a staff, a person, you know, this, this medicine man in the village or whatever. Everything innately, they do not have to be taught it, worships something. It's because we were created to worship. And God wants from us the only thing he cannot give himself, our worship. That's the only thing God can't give himself is our free will to engage with the fact that, daggum God, you are good. 
you are so good and, and begin to worship him. And it's not from an egotistical place. And that's where so many of, especially the, the, the movement of the, the ex-evangelicals and the deconstructionists, they want to get into how our God is, and they would put in quotes, God is, you know, this, you know, tyrannical and egotistical and, you know, narcissistic deity who demands worship. It's not that he demands worship. It's that everything else you would give worship to will end up biting you in the back. It's going to stab you in the back. And he's saying, I'm the only place you're going to worship. You are going to. And I'm the only place that it will not turn to bite you in the butt. And I'm also, God is the only person who can be worshiped and handle it correctly. You and I can't be worshiped and handle it correctly. Only God can handle worship. For sure. You look at Tom Brady, you look at the best athletes in the world when they retire, what do they have? Identity issues. Yeah. Because like you said, we're all ingrained. The most successful people in the world, they put their identity in their career, their skill set. You know, people try to put their identity in how many friends they can make people. But like at the end of the day, those things will fail you like they said. And talking about friends, I want to shift the subject a little bit. I feel like God gave me a word for, you know, I'm slow to say these things, but I feel like God, I feel like God put this on my heart strong a couple nights ago. I feel like a lot of people are, I feel like a lot of people think that they need more friends. I feel like a lot of people think that they are in a space right now where their community is not giving them what they want to, but that's because they're not being the community. They're not being the home to the other people. Right. And I feel like God showed me that personally. He's like, I was like, lately, literally, I've been without a church home. Literally, I've been, you know, hopping over here to Angelo, going to celebration. I used to live in College Station. I'm hanging out in Austin. Sometimes, like, I am in Poth. I don't have a church home, so I was praying. I was like, God, where do you want me? I, I want a church home. And immediately when I prayed that, upper room, and I'm not big on coincidences and all that, but immediately when I prayed that, upper room said, in the lyrics, we find our home in Jesus. Wow. For it was the first, it was, you know how they do their worship sets. Yeah. They never, they never quit singing. And never, but that was the first line of the new, like kind of verse that they were singing. And he said, this, my home is found in Jesus. And then God told me pretty sim pretty closely after that. He said, you're going to be at home to other people. Wow. And the reason I'm saying that is because, you know, I'm, I'm worried about community. We always look at this ideal picture perfect. We covet after a friend group, a community. A, that, yeah. that youth group is going to be like the social media pages or it's going to be like that Passion City youth group. But when where I'm looking for people to fill me up, but I'm not filling anybody else up. Right. And I confuse the idea with thinking, because I have a lot of friends. I have like five. Jesus... Jesus had 12 friends, 12 close friends in his inner circle, right? Jesus didn't have 100 to 200 close friends that he was trying to check on daily. And that's what a lot of people do. They try to have these massive friends, friend groups, right. and they're, they're not, they, they have 100 pennies when, rather, when really they need four quarters. I would right. rather have four quarters than 100 pennies. That's a good analogy for it. You know what I'm saying? Where'd so, you come up with that? I definitely stole it from somebody. <laughs> I know you did. <laughs> Break, hey, breakaway in college all station. Tr- all truth is God's truth. But, oh, for sure. But in reality, I was like, you know, I have a good group of close friends right. that were pouring into each other, right? Right. And I know a good amount of people outside of that, right? And I was confusing the fact that, oh, I need more friends with the idea that 
I was confusing the idea that I need more friends and I was confusing that with you need to pour out and be a friend to somebody else. Because mm-hmm. your life can feel devoid if, like it's the same thing in Ecclesiastes, relationships are the same thing as pleasures, which are the same thing as success. Mm-hmm. If you just look at relationships in, the, in a way of it's to fill me up, Yes. It's meaningless. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So a lot of people may be feeling empty in their relationships because you're not the one pouring out. You're just receiving. When's the last time you hit up your friends and hosted the party? Right. When's the last time you asked that friend to go to dinner? When's the last time you asked them to go work out and you were Do you text first? Do you text first? Yeah. Are you pouring out? Are you being the home to people, especially people who you know are broken too? Talking about discipleship. Yeah. So the only reason I'm a believer today or one of the many reasons I'm not going to say the only reason is a guy took me under his wing and he said, we're going to read the Bible. Son, let's go. We're going to get that coffee. We're going to read that word. My roommate was, Hey, let's go read the Bible. How you doing, buddy? Hey, how's your walk with God? You, you doing all right? Can I pray for you in any way? Persistent, account, accountable. Are we doing that for other people? While we think our life to be filled up, we need more friends when really we need to be pouring out more because, but the the thing is you can't pour out from an empty cup, empty cup. You have to be filled up to be poured out. And that's where the root of it goes back to being spending time in the presence of God. Yeah. Relationships are like a bank account. Think about it this way. Relationships are like a bank account. You cannot make a withdrawal if you have not made a deposit. And that's where so many people, they're constantly making withdrawals on their friends, making withdrawals. Give me, give me, give me. You should have been there. You should have been there. You didn't think about me. You didn't think about me. You left me out. You left me on red. And it's like, yeah, when was the last time you made a deposit in that person? Yeah. When was the last time you Mm -hmm. just said, you know what, man? I believe in you. I'm so thankful that you are my friend. Thank you for the infinite ways you have shaped me, molded me helped me. And they don't have to be a perfect person for you to say this to them. There may be tons of things, tons of ways that they've hurt your feelings, tons of ways that they have, you know, done you wrong or like could have been better, but it's not about being perfect. It's about the fact that God placed them in your life and they are, they've got so many things going on in their mind. I mean, good grief. You, You never know where people are really at and you never know what just taking a second and making a quick deposit will do. And you really are not allowed to make a withdrawal in friendships if you have not made significant deposits in those friendships. Yeah. And I think like what is, you know, we were talking about heaven and um, how that's a expression of God. And I think that it's important to understand too, that are you looking to, when you're looking for community, like you're saying, is it, am I looking to be fed or am I looking to feed? Mm. Right. And you should desire community so that you can give an expression of your love for people, right? Mm-hmm. Not to, you know, because that that is, God is is ever more, right? Like it, it says that, you know, like his light is, is still going, right? Right. And because he can't stop expressing his love, he is love and his expressions are endless, right? So if we're in him, then we should desire people to to have that expression of who he is in us, right? And, mm-hmm. and people say all the time, not Christians, if you're having problems, hey, I'm gonna move cities. I just need to pick up my stuff and I need a new I need a new environment. I'm gonna go from Chicago to New York. I just need a fresh start. That new location ain't gonna change the problems you were experiencing, son. Right. <laughs> like you gotta if if you think what's the take, common denominator here? You take 
take that to apply it to your church home. Yep. Specifically, if you think you going to find a new church community yep. is going to fix your depravity or your lack of experience with God, your lack of peace with God, your lack of seeking his presence, right? Mm-hmm. You're, you're feeling far from God. A new church could probably help, but there's probably going to be some root issues in that, in that, oh, without a in doubt. that deal. Here's my thing with that specifically, people wanting to find a new church home is, you know, a lot of people specifically at our church, I'll use our church as an example. They come in and they're like, Oh my gosh, this is incredible. You're the best preacher I have ever heard in my life. I have never felt the presence of God more than I feel it here. The people are so nice. The do- the donuts are so sweet. The coffee is so rich and it's free. Wow. Amen, pastor. <laughs> and they're just they're just going, right? And then all of a sudden, those people who are like every service pastor, you read my mail. Every service, it's like you knew exactly what I was going through. 5, 6 months a year later, they're like I just don't feel it, man. I feel like I need a new church. My man, the pastor's just not been, he doesn't preach what I need. Here's what changed. The pastor's still preaching the same. The, the donuts are still just as good. The coffee's still just as rich. The people are still just as nice. It's you're not hungry. That's the problem. The shine kind of faded. You're not hungry. The Bible says those who hunger and thirst for righteousness will be filled. You know, mm-hmm. one of the things my dad taught me when anyone comes up to him and, and says, man, pastor, your words every Sunday just hit me. Thank you for what you do. He says, honestly, you know why it's hitting you? It's because you come hungry. The same word for a hungry person is nourishment. But for a person who's stuck up and is, you know, a, a spiritual bigot, it, it, it's bland. And it's more, you, you need to quit blaming your pastor for not preaching deep enough and realize you're not deep enough. Realize that you aren't hungry enough. You need this filet mignon, and I need this perfect little four-course meal with a little caviar on the side, and I want it to be Instagrammable because the, the gram eats first. You don't need that. You need to actually find a real place of hunger for the things of God again, and I promise you, you find hunger, you will, you will love your pastor's sermons because you will come in ready for whatever it is God has for you that day. Absolutely. You can't love people if you're fixated on being loved. You can't love people if you're worried constantly about how you're being loved. That's a bar. That's what I'm saying. That's good, man. Um, We hope you all were encouraged by this episode, and uh, we pray you share it with a friend because we pride ourselves on being a resource to help people grow in their faith, and and, uh, you're the catalyst in that. Send it to somebody, and we pray you all got value from this episode. Thanks, Keenan, for coming on again. Without a doubt. I love you guys. And uh, me and Brain wish you had always, always, as always... But we will see you on the next video. God bless.